Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word of the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. It is Tuesday, September the 26th, 2023, and I hope you're having a great day today. Um, and um, yeah, hope you have a fantastic day. We are uh, for the first time live on YouTube. It's exciting. Finally, uh, they finally unlocked us and let us like uh, go live. So this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So um, thanks for being on today. So you know, uh, we uh, we are continuing our journey through the New Testament. And uh, actually, hold on. I'm gonna sh- shut this door. If you're on the online, uh, you're on the audio podcast. One second. Be right back. All right. So we, um, yeah, it's the first time we've been live in a long time since uh, back in the Facebook Live days when we were doing that. But uh, we we're journeying through the New Testament. That's what we're doing. And we are now in First Timothy chapter two um, on our uh, journey through the New Testament. And uh, glad you're on. Welcome to uh, Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Welcome, friends. So let's dive in. You know what we do? We read, we pray, we change the world. Let's see what the Lord has to say to us today through His Word. First Timothy chapter two, Timothy, um, protege of the apostle Paul. And, uh, so Paul is writing to his young protege, uh, giving him some pastoral advice. Yeah. And, uh, kind of how to, you know, how to pastor in a very pagan city, Ephesus, uh, which had a lot of temple worship, and uh, that will become more relevant here in just a moment because, uh, you know, especially when Paul specifically gives some instructions regarding uh, women in worship, um, I think it's impossible to understand that verse without taking into consideration the uh, the Artemis worship that was going on, Temple of Diana. Artemis, same thing. And so I think it's, it's, so we'll get to that, but um, just to kind of set the context for uh, Timothy and Paul's words to Timothy here at the end of, uh, towards the end of uh, Paul's life. So, all right, well, welcome everybody. Hope you guys have a, hope you guys are doing great. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Um, Thank you for spending time with us in the word of God. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, 
All right, so Paul here is uh, speaking to uh, the church, and he's saying, you know what, uh, pray, pray for your leaders. Pray for your uh, governmental leaders, um, regardless of uh, how you feel about them, you know, regardless of uh, how you, you know, whether they line up with you politically and... Um, or any of that, um, um, pray for them. Pray for your spiritual leaders. And um, with uh, inter- intercessions and petitions and lift them up. I mean, it's a tough job, right? It's a tough job. And, uh, you know, we want, we want, um, the well-being of our communities. So whether you're a, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, or whether the person's in office shares your political affiliation or not, um, pray for them. Why? So for kings and all those in authorities, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all good uh, godliness and holiness. Yeah. So Paul's like. Pray for them so that we can live out godly and holy lives, quiet lives, without, um, you know, that we can live out our faith um, and live in community. We can live out our faith and uh, our relationship with Jesus in peacefulness and godliness and holiness. Verse 3, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So what Paul is saying, he's saying, I want you to pray for your leaders because the primary thing that needs to happen is not to um, to instill or... or uh, the best thing that can happen is government can be stable so that people can live their lives. And in people, as people are living their lives, the most important thing can be done, which is people can, be, can hear the good news of Jesus and come to Christ. So that's the most important. So if if the government doesn't interfere, the government just maintains, you know, safety and security and basically just maintain creates the the environment for people to flourish, um, then you know, pray that that happens so that basically the government can stay out of the way. And the biggest there's the biggest uh, endeavor can take place, which is to see to the endeavor of evangelism, that more people would come become like Christ. So Paul's like, pray for your leaders so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives and doing what? Sharing the gospel. Because God wants people, all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Does God want you to be saved? Yes. Does God want your neighbors to be saved? Yes. Does God want your loved ones to be saved? Yes. Does God want the annoying person that that works in the cubicle across from you to be saved? Yes. Does God want that annoying parent at the Little League game to be saved? Yes. Yes. Um, people that look like you, that don't look like you, that think like you, that don't think like you, people that live on the other side of the world from you, yes, God loves them, God wants them saved. So pray that, pray for leaders, that they do wise things so that government stays out of it and that we can live peaceful and quiet lives and be about the, uh, the, um, the work of advancing the kingdom of God. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. 
This is, remember, this is in the context of prayer and the context of leadership. So, um, first of all, kings and uh, presidents and leaders are not the mediator between us and God. We don't, so this is important because we don't pray to them. We don't, our, we don't, we don't seek them out to grant our requests. We don't seek them out to grant our eternal needs. We don't uh, seek out uh, earthly leaders to fulfill, or we don't expect of them to fulfill deep spiritual needs. That's not the, they are not the mediator. They are not the mediator between the riches of God and us, Jesus is. So government doesn't save us. Political leaders don't save us. Jesus saves us. There are no other, other mediators. And here's the other religious connotation to that. There are no other angels or quote-unquote patron saints between us and God. Come on now. Some people, you know, pray to, you know, this saint or that saint or even to Mary, the mother of Jesus. There is no other mediator between us and God other than the man Christ Jesus. There is no other mediator. With, with all due respect, this, this verse is telling us that you are wasting your time praying to any other person than Jesus. There is no other mediator between us and Jesus, or between us and God. It's the man Christ Jesus. He is our access to the Father. This, is, this, this, this has now been witnessed to at the proper time. People, people are getting saved and tell, talking about it, right? And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling you the truth. I am not lying. And a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray. So, men, pray. Men of God, people of God, pray. Lift up holy hands without anger or disputing. Hmm. Now, this is where the context is important because uh, in the uh, in Ephesus, where the temple uh, Diana, which was a, a wonder of the ancient world, people came from all over the place to worship uh, at the uh, at the temple in, in Ephesus. And there were, uh, you know, a lot of craziness, um, a lot of women women uh, prophetesses and uh, temple prostitutes and all kind of craziness at the uh, temple of Ephesus. And so, and it was very much a uh, female-dominated temple, obviously, Diana. And so, um, so I think you have to, you have to, you have to read this in the context of of Paul trying to balance uh, the way the church should look, because he does not want the church to look like. Um, temple worship at Ephesus. And it is very likely, it's not uncommon, it's not hard to uh, surmise that a culture of people who came, who were in that culture, and that's all they knew was this uh, flamboyant, elaborate, uh, cultic, pagan worship of the temple of, of uh, Diana, for them to start adapting that in the Christian church. And, just, and without some instruction, some pastoral guidance, it would start to look a lot like the temple worship, and that's exactly what was starting to happen. And so Paul is telling Timothy, "Look, you gotta. We need to. We need to pull that back because 
this the worship of the Lord Jesus, the worship of uh, our God, should not look like temple worship. It should not look like pagan worship. And so um, we need to we need to put in some measures here in this context so that that um, so that, that doesn't happen. And so, uh, for one thing, men men encourage your men to worship. Right. Uh, encourage your men to lift up holy hands in prayer. This isn't this isn't uh, Diana's temple. Men worship. Lift up holy hands without anger or disputing. Do this with good godliness and goodness. Also, I want the women to dress modestly, with decently and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds, appropriate for women who profess worship of God. Um, so I don't want, let's not have the church a place where people are trying to outdo each other with the latest fashions. This isn't a fashion show. This isn't a place where you can display your, uh, your wealth and, uh, and your status in society. No, no, no. We are, everybody is equal here. We are all, um, one in the family of God. So let's not, uh, let's not make this a competition. Let's encourage our, our ladies in particular, um, to dress modestly. Let's uh, let's make this about God and and not about us. Come on now. Let's make him the focus. Let's make worship the focus. And let's not make it a situation where people who are of lower means, of lesser means, will feel uncomfortable. So let's dress modestly. Let's um let's uh let's be aware of the way we are presenting ourselves in the worship of in the presence of God. Adorn ourselves with good deeds and appropriate. That's appropriate. Now, this is the one that gives everybody heartburn right here. This is the this is the passage that gives every uh, particularly uh, well all, women especially <laughs> naturally so, um, but uh, but a lot of people gives this is where it gives people heart heartburn. Verse eleven: A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. Oh snap! <laughs> Some people, yeah, I know. You're like, what? Huh? Excuse me? Oh, uh-uh. No. Not going, mm-mm. So what does this mean? Well, first of all, let me let me show you something that was actually uh, startling about this verse. Actually, the, the thing that would startle people the most in the first century uh, was not what startles us. What startles us is the full submission, the quietness of full submission part, right? We're like, ah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. But in the first century, you know, it was like revolutionary was the learn part. Women were not educated in the first century. They weren't encouraged to be educated. But here Paul says a woman should learn. So in the first century, wow, he's encouraging women's education. He's, a, he's encouraging them to, to grow and to learn and to uh, develop intellectually, spiritually. Whoa, what? Yeah, a woman should learn. So this was that was revolutionary in the first century. Now, the part that gives us heartburn is the second part, in quietness and full submission. And again, this is my opinion, and I think it's because, look, whenever you find something in the teachings of Paul, especially, that you don't see anywhere else, like he doesn't teach this way anywhere else. He, t- he encourages other in other places for the women to prophesy. 
for the women to, to teach, for the women to be involved. He, he doesn't uh, say only men teach, only do, men, men do this, only men. No, but here there's a situation where he's talking about, he, he says something that is like out of, out of it's, it's inconsistent with everything else. So uh, with other, it's not really repeated anywhere else. It's not said in the same way anywhere else. So whenever you have those situations, you have to say there must be something going on in that church. Because remember, these letters were, were contextual. They were originally written to specific churches with specific issues. In this case, it's written to Timothy, who's pastoring a specific congregation in Ephesus. They have unique issues that are unique to that culture. It's not so different than if you were talking to a pastor who was you know, let, uh, leading a church on the strip in Las Vegas. That's going to have unique teachings and guidance Different than if someone someone was uh, teaching a uh, in a village church in rural Appalachia. There's going to be some things you say there that you that you don't say, or you would certainly say differently to the church in on the strip than you would in Appalachia. So here he's saying a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. Why? Again, because of the craziness that was going on in the temple. And so instead of being in the church, you know, loud and obnoxious and wild and like the prophetesses that were in the Ephesian temple, you know, that were just, you know, prophesying loudly and, and wailing and, and babbling in tongues, by the way, in a pagan tongue, Paul's saying, let's not create confusion. In the church, I, encur I, would, I encourage them to learn quietly and in full submission. Because it needs to look differently in the church. I do not, here we go, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over man, over a man, she must be quiet. And I, I think that is a lot to do with Ephesus. A lot to do with the context. For Adam was formed first and then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived, it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. So he's talking, he goes back to the, uh, the beginning, right? Adam, the temptation with Adam and Eve. Um, the woman took of the uh, fruit and then gave it to her husband. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness, and propriety. Hmm. Yeah, that's a rough one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the childbearing. Now, some contexts say she she will be saved through the childbearing, which is what? The the, the coming of Jesus. Right? Because back in the uh garden, um, the scripture taught that through the seed of a woman, the seed of the woman would crush the head of Satan. And so that childbearing, what the the childbearing. This here is not like a woman is saved because she gives birth to children. That's foolish. Why? Because some, first of all, some women can't have children. Um, so, you know, yes, the normal biologic biology of things is yes, a woman can have children, but there are some women when women who are uh, have infertility. There are some women who are married to men who are who, are, who have uh, fertility issues. So, what about them? Is that not? I mean, does that mean they don't get saved because they can't have children because they're married to a a man who uh, has infertility? No, of course not. 
It's the childbearing. What is the childbearing? It's the child. It's the fact that through the seed of a woman, Christ came into the world and saved us. So through the childbearing, not through their in particular childbearing, but the child, the childbearing, the the birth of Jesus, they'll be saved. We all will, for that matter. So. The call here is for decency and orderliness, really. The, the issue is not so much about uh, male dominance or female, uh, um, female uh, submission. It's not what this primarily is about. It's about worship, first of all. These are, these are instructions for worship and for worship in a particular context, namely the Ephesian context. And so the... Um, Paul is instructing this young pastor in a way that he will be able to lead the congregation to be to have greater faithfulness and uh, fruitfulness in a pagan culture. Because remember, if you go back to the very first verse in chapter two, uh, Paul says, "Let's pray for our leaders that we can live peaceful and all of us can live peaceful and quiet lives." This isn't just for women; all of us can live live peaceful and quiet lives. Um, and in a sense, in full submission to the authorities that are in place, uh, except for when they con, uh, conflict with the law of God. But otherwise, let's let, you know, pray for our leaders that we can live lives of quiet submission. So that what? So that we can do the important work in this world, and that is introduce people uh, to the creator of the world through Jesus. And... Um, and so let's pray that we can worship op- openly and freely and quietly and, uh, and, and, and truthfully. And in our worship services, let them be a witness. So men, um, worship. Worship in holiness. Worship in godliness. Don't worship in anger or disputing. Don't, don't be like the pagans. Women dress modestly. And because it's confusing, learn quietly. Don't be, don't, don't uh, look like the pagan prophetesses. We don't want any confusion. When someone steps in to a Christian church in Ephesus, Paul says, "You need to look different." And that's, I mean, so what is the the application? It's the application for us in the church, man. Like sometimes we get critiqued in the church, and probably rightly so, that people step into the church and it looks like a rock concert. It's like what what's different here? This looks like a rock concert. This looks like a concert that I saw last night um, at the at the uh, neighborhood convention center. And uh, what's different? That it should be different. And those critiques, I think, are legitimate. We need to take them into account because our worship spaces should look feel different. They should feel holy. They should be. There should be a sense of awe and wonder. Um, and I'm not against any of it. I'm not against this. I'm not against the smoke machines. I'm not against the lights but i do think there can be a place where you over it becomes um becomes out of place becomes a distraction and uh so the person who comes in looks around and wonders like really what's the difference here um and so you know we we can take paul's words here um as a as a a self-reflection church um to um to how we should worship and that we should not uh, enter worship to impress other people we should not and we should, uh, as a mature Christian, I should go to worship not only thinking about myself, but also thinking about others and how my worship might affect them or distract them. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. 
there's nothing wrong with considering how my worship uh, might affect other people. I've heard people say before, well, I, you know what, I don't, if the Lord moves me to do something, I'm going to do it. I don't care who's there. Well, that's the wrong spirit. That's the flat-out wrong spirit. Uh, because, first of all, the Lord's not going to move you to do something that's going to scare or frighten or offend other people uh, unnecessarily. So that's your flesh speaking and not the spirit. So, yes, part of having the fruit of the spirit is having self-control and kindness and gentleness and considering other people that are around you um, and how it's impacting their worship. So, Great lessons today. A lot to chew on, a lot to think about. Um, yeah, encourage you to dive deeper into it. Um, you know, this, this passage has been debated a lot as it relates to women in ministry and, and uh, male and female uh, roles and responsibilities. So dive into it yourself, see what you think. Hey, let's pray, you guys. Lord, thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you for teaching us and instructing us. Lord, we pray that we could live peaceful and quiet lives so that we can lead others to you because you do love them. Lord, thank you that you are the mediator between, uh, between us and God. You are Jesus. You are the mediator, and there is none other. Lord, I pray for my friends today that you would encourage, strengthen, and bless them today. May they sense your presence and your power in their lives. May they know that you love them, that you're with them, that you never leave them nor forsake them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my friends. Thank you so much for being on today. Hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you for liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast. First time live on YouTube because we finally hit the magic number. So we are live. We got, you know, I don't know if anybody's actually live, but hi, if you are. Uh, but hey, share this. Let people know. We'll be on each morning uh, around 7 o'clock Eastern time, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern time. So we'll be back tomorrow with 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, around 7 a.m. Eastern. You guys have a great day. We'll see you then. Bye. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.